Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest weekly podcast. Well, we've got a busy agenda this week, but not as busy, I don't think, as Todd Bowley's last few days of the transfer window. Wow. Spend, spend, spend at Chelsea. What a dramatic window. Do you know what, guys? I always think that these transfer windows sometimes get a bit hyped up and a bit silly. It's it, to, to, to me, it's, it's, it's just, you know, part of it. But actually, Chelsea made it almost a separate event, really. And uh, so we'll be having a good look at that. Have Chelsea got it right? Have the clubs got it right? Have the various people done enough business to do what they want to do this season? Let's see. Speaking of which, Sean Dyche in Everton. Wow. They ended up doing nothing. So can Sean Dyche work miracles without squads to keep him up? And and also, obviously, I look forward to the um, weekend preview of the Premier League action as, as we see it. But let's start with the transfer window, shall we? And I mean... Jezza, let's start with you. I haven't even introduced you. Jeremy Cross, Andy Dunn, you, 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 everyone knows. But basically, Jeremy, let's start with you on, on Chelsea because Fernandez. I mean, we all saw the guy at the World Cup. I've got to say, I don't remember him particularly. I'm glad you said that because I was just about to say <laughs> Which I really would hope to do over your average £100 million plus signing, um, but I don't. And... Um, and yet Chelsea went all in. So, you know, <laughs> did the final couple of days absolutely, you know, blow your mind like they did mine? Yeah, I can't, I can't quite get my head around it, actually. I mean, just going back to the World Cup, I don't think he made his full debut for Argentina until the final group game. And then he played, obviously, in the rest of the tournament and started and did well, but obviously won a young player of the tournament. But I've got to say, I covered three Argentina games in, in Qatar. And I can't recall him doing anything outstanding. I can't recall him doing something that made me like think, wow, what a player this kid's going to be or already is. And, you know, to, to, to say it's a staggering rise to the top is, is an understatement because he, you know, he played, I think he's played 29 games with Benfica. They paid £8 million for him last June. And now he's the most expensive player um, we've seen. So it's an astonishing story. And it sort of tells you a lot about Chelsea's mindset and where they're at at the minute, you know, they're obviously languishing in mid-table. Potter's struggling to stamp his mark on the team. And they've just basically gone mad. They've basically spent a quarter of a billion quid since losing to Fulham three weeks ago. It's an astonishing event, turn of events in the, in the last few weeks. I mean, they've spent 300 million quid in this, this window um, alone. And, you know, it probably tells you one thing. It tells you that they're not going to sack Graham Potter. Clearly, you know, they're going to stick with him and give him time to implement his methods. And, you know, they're probably, think, they're probably looking ahead to the start of next season, aren't they, already? Heaven knows what they might do in the summer. But um, it's an astonishing story. Look, Good luck to him. You know, I've not seen a lot of him play. He's had great reviews in Portugal. But, you know, he's South American. He's barely experienced... Portuguese football, let alone English football. So it's going to take him a while to settle in and get used to the pace of the game and the tactics that uh, Chelsea operate with. So it'd be fascinating to see how it, how it develops. Yeah, it will be. Just to break down the figures, I mean, it's astonishing, isn't it? Premier League club spent 
over 800 million pounds. I think 815, wasn't it? According to Deloitte and Touche. And then basically uh, Chelsea in this window have blown, in this particular window, have blown the previous record apart by themselves, if you like. And then over the course of the two windows, i.e. the season, they've spent in excess of £650 million. You know, that's Todd Bowley's kind of spreadsheet. And I, I've looked at the signings, Andy, and I just, I, I still don't know what their best 11 will be. I don't know their identity. I don't know what, you know, what their formation's going to be. Normally you have a... With it, with it, with a successful team, you have a f- fairly clear idea, don't you, of, of of a of a structure and 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 a pattern to which they they're, they're working towards. Yeah, it's, they're sort of starting from scratch, aren't they? You know, I mean, Todd Bowley is almost starting from scratch. They're recruiting so many players and such a a big squad now. You know, surely it won't be you would imagine until start the next season, the summer, when when they establish what the actual squad is, how he wants to play, what his preferred starting eleven would be. Yes, you're right. You know, we, we look around, say Arsenal's team, Manchester City's team, Manchester United's team, Liverpool's team, even, and we can we can normally say that if everyone was fit and available, you could normally name probably nine of the eleven players that you would expect to start first choice players. Might be a couple of variables here and there, but you can't obviously with Chelsea. You know, you, you've got you've got no idea. I mean, to the extent where you actually forget that some players are there, don't you? You know, you forget who's there and, and who might not Wesley be there. Wesley Fofana is the one that I forget. Wesley Fofana, yeah. I mean, I, I, I forgot. I mean, after he'd been sent off this first game, I forgot about Felix. I genuinely forgot about Felix there. And and, and you know what's strange? I covered um, I covered Liverpool versus Chelsea in the Premier League, whenever it was, a week last Saturday. And obviously I saw the the, the sort of 30-minute cameo debut from, um, from Mudrick. And he was absolutely fantastic. But, you know, that's almost been forgotten. That's almost been forgotten. I had to remind myself again this week when these when, when, when Fernandez was signed. Well, he all only the cost tw- 80-odd million, doesn't it, to be fair? And he only cost 80 million or, or, or whatever. So, yes, it's... yeah. It, so, in a way, you are starting from scratch. I mean, I take Jeremy's point there about, you know, it, it, it sort of suggests that Graham Potter... You know, I've read, and, and I've read articles this morning saying, well, this proves that Graham Potter is going to have you know, a lot of time to 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 um to do what he needs to do to source out his best team. Do I really believe that? No, I really don't. To be perfectly honest, with you. Well, we will have to see. Time will tell. I mean, what what I think, what what amazes me about this whole thing, what what really strikes me is that if if you, I mean, and this may be just judging a book by the cover, but if I want, if, if I had to characterize Graham Potter. It would be as very ordered, very uh, meticulous, very sensible. Um, you know, probably the most the maddest thing he does is grow a beard. You know what I mean? He, he, he's not. He doesn't strike me as the most impulsive, um, sort of mercurial character. He's got a fade hair. He's got a fade hair. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going a little bit. But but his and he's the guy now, the most unlikely guy who's got to make sense, who's got to somehow get this disparate bunch of extremely expensive, exotic. Um, bunch of recruits together, you, you know, and playing in some sort of style that befits a team that should be challenging at the top of the league. I just think it's an odd combination. You, you would have thought that if you're going to assemble these stars, you know, that, that maybe go forward, you'd want someone who is accustomed to dealing with this sort of thing. And listen, I hope, I really hope, because I like him a lot, that Potter proves that he is going to be capable of doing it. 
well, how much time he's got. I don't think I share Jeremy's, you know, um, conviction he's going to have that much time. No. Matt, Matt, the one that, you know, there's been a lot of pieces and a lot of fallout. You've you've written it, it, it about it extensively this morning. How do the figures add up and and what have you? The, the, one, the one that deal that really kind of, I don't know, really caught my eye, a few people writing him off already saying that he'll be available in the summer, is Koulibaly. Is because Koulibaly, let's be honest here, you know, in, loads of clubs have, in the Premier League have looked at him down the years. Loads of clubs have thought, shall we, shouldn't we, you know, shall we push the button on, you know, 60, 70 million quid when he was at Napoli and, and, and doing really well in the Champions League. They all resisted because, guess what, you know, as Chelsea have discovered, he's not very good on the ball. You know, I mean, he's a good defender, but he just can't, he can't play. And it's just, you know, a year on. And that's that that sort of scattergun approach, you know, I think is is the worry, isn't it, for Chelsea? Are they really planning for the long term? Well, this is, uh, yeah, a point I did make in the piece I wrote this morning. Um, I look, but is this... Made? This this is um this has been done before once where someone's come in and tried to throw stupid amounts of money at winning a title and that was twenty years ago when Abramovich arrived so I thought uh, you know dim and distant memories for all of us I think so you look back at it and not being funny under the Claudio Ranieri we came to love him at Leicester some of the signings made in his name in that very first year of Abramovich we're talking I mean. Yeah, to note them down because we started with Glenn, just to run through them. Glenn Johnson, Jeremy, Damien Duff, Wayne Bridge, Veron, Joe Cole, Adrian Mutu, Smirtin, Crespo, and then McAuley, obviously the bit better, and Scott Parker. That was the same sort of scattergun approach there. Mourinho came in that first summer. His first signings were a gentleman called Petr Cech, another one called Didier Drogba, and pretty soon afterwards, Ricardo Carvalho. And they were part of a successful team for the next six years. But it took them to say, right, we need a goalkeeper, we need a striker, and um, we need a, uh, a you know a decent centre-back and uh, to go with this lad, John Terry, that we've got. Uh, and, uh, and he cracked it. Chelsea have spent all this money. They still don't actually have... The only striker they own, pretty much, is over in Italy. It's just... The whole thing is is just been a mess. There's more wingers than... You know, if they had that, that many wings, the, the thing wouldn't fly. Uh, you just get in each other's way. It, it's just it's just madness. As you said, I think someone else used the word mad earlier. It does just look like... And spending... You, Six million is the going rate for a un, virtually untried World Cup winner. Just ask Brighton, who paid that amount for McAllister. You don't pay if you break the British transfer record. You're buying someone that you can pretty much bank on. That and you know, Stan Collymore aside, bless him. Um, but uh, but yeah, you're buying a Trevor Francis to win you the European Cup. You're buying an Andy Cole to win you the treble. You know, these are the players, a Rio Ferdinand even to to be the the stalwart of a successful title winning team. You know, you don't. You're not buying somebody who's played a handful of games in Portugal uh, and a couple of games at the World Cup, which none of us remember. Also, I'll tell you what, as well, if Fernandez is worth 105 million quid, how much would Declan Rice be worth? Or Jude Bellingham? You know, it's just it's crazy. Well, I would say that Fernandez is a World Cup winner, and Jude Bellingham, Declan Rice aren't. Yeah, and Fernandez probably had a better World Cup than Bellingham and, and Rice did. I mean, I, I mean, you know, listen. Let, let, let's be honest. He's a young player who's who's a young player of the World Cup tournament. He's been outstanding for Benfica this season. He could be a very good buy. I mean, you, you know, I, I know the figure is astronomical. 
figure for Jack Grealish was astronomical, £100 million. That happens to be their get-out clauses. Both of those, the, the thing they've got in common is that that's the release clause that they have to pay to get him out of there. In a way, I'm, I'm not saying the money's irrelevant, but it's and it's not a red herring, but that is if you want the player and that's the release clause, then you go and get him. And I've heard this argument about other players. Well, well, Fernandez is, you know, I mean, you speak to anyone who, who probably knows him better than we do, who's seen him for um, Benfica this season, where, bear in mind, he's been probably their best player in a Benfica side that were top of their Champions League group ahead of Paris Saint-Germain, who lead the Portuguese league by 10 points, a player who Benfica desperately wanted to keep, um, the fans are in uproar that he's going, then you know you, you could argue that they are buying a player who could become, who has already you know proved himself to be the best young player in the world on that stage, could become the best young player. I don't necessarily think that it's, that, that, that it's a mad deal in the sense that how much they're paying for him. I just think the whole approach with all the different players doesn't seem to doesn't seem to gel, doesn't seem to, to stack up. But they probably odds because that's what release clauses tend to do in the same way that City paid over the odds for Jack Grealish. But don't but they are they, you know let's let, let face it, just because we he didn't really catch our eye, particularly, we will tell you. A lot of people will tell you that, that, that you know he's a he's a fantastic talent. So I've got no issue with them going out to get Fernandez. No issue at all. Is the release clause extravagant? Yes, it is. Are release clauses generally extravagant? Well, yes, they are. I mean, yes, they are. You know, Atletico Madrid paid a hundred and whatever it was twenty million for for Joao Felix. You know, and look where he is now. So yeah, I do think that skews it a little bit. It's the overall approach rather than the individual um, pursuit of Fernandez that I can't get my head around at Chelsea. No, it, it is bizarre because I do think the, the goalkeeper and the striker. I mean, it's still still short of a convincing goalkeeper. I mean, that's the that, that's the you know that that that's the worry, I guess, really, isn't it? I mean, there was some other other sort of eye, eye, eye-catching deals. I mean, Jorginho to Arsenal, basically. Arsenal, are, after their big-money pursuit of Casido, which never really got off the ground as far as Brian were concerned, but then ended up with Jorginho. What... What do we what do we think, Matt? You see quite a lot of Arsenal. Do, 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 do you think Jorginho is a good a good stop gap? You know, because they couldn't couldn't do what they wanted, particularly in this window. Well, you, you know my love for Arsenal, John, and, and unfortunately, I think he's a brilliant signing. He, he could be the signing that wins in the league because you know with Party and his injury history and Xhaka playing out of his skin at the moment, but also you know liable to dips in form. You know, if that goes wrong, then they lose a lot of their energy. And for all the good stuff in front of them, they're not going to see the ball enough. Um, he is a bit of insurance for twelve million pounds. They've pretty much backed themselves to to give this league as good a chance as they're able to give it. I think it's a brilliant signing. Um, fair play to Brighton for hanging, holding fire and keeping hold of one of their assets for once. Uh, and, and Arsenal, no doubt, will revisit that in the summer because that's perhaps the future of where they want to be. But just in this short term, with so much for them to play for uh, and such a little amount, it's stupid to call it 12 million a little amount, but when Chelsea are doing what they're doing, you know, it, it is a small amount. Uh, and I think that could be just a, the, the, what gets them over the line to win the title this, this season. Wow, positivity. Yeah, no, I'm sorry about that. Won't happen okay. again. 
No, absolutely. All the sniping and snidey about about Jorginho from certain courses. I'm in total agreement with Matt. I mean, Arteta loves this player. He's tried a couple of times to get him before, so basically, he does. He does love him. A few people sort of said, "Well, he's not not the same player as Party." Well, of course, he's not. But actually, he can. He can. He could do a similar job if if asked, and he can do a different job if asked because he's he's got that. In his locker, he's got experience. He's won the Champions League. He's, he's more successful than a lot of people seem to report. And short of Arteta getting himself onto the pitch, which he's itching to do every day, it, you know, that's the best way of getting his own influence out there. A level head that can sit amongst those younger players and just nurse them through. I think it's a great signing. Yeah. So it's a bit so at United, Jezza. What do you what do you what do you what do you make of that? It's clearly a knock on for Ericsson, isn't it? Yeah, but terrible news for Tenard with Derrickson being out till April, maybe even May, uh, following that absolutely horrendous challenge from Andy Carroll. Yeah, look, they had to move fast. I don't know how well well like you, I don't know a lot about him. I mean, you know, Tenard must think he fits the mould of what he wants from a midfield as a box to box midfielder by the sounds of it. Um quite technical. So Tenag must think that he can suit that style of play that he's now um, bringing to United. Um, but, you know, he will have to go some to fill Ericsson's boots because he's been absolutely excellent this season for United. A real mainstay in the team. Um, just adds that bit of class and quality to the midfield. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. And, you know, if Bayern are willing to let him go, how makes you wonder how good he actually is. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Andy, just to sort of finally summarise on this point, what, who's bought well, who's bought badly? I tell you one that caught my eye was just Craig Dawson to Wolves. Uh, it might seem a little bit, you know, but if he keeps him up and he's a sort of a character that might just help him do that, you know, those sort of bits and pieces around the edge, I quite like, you know, Porro at Spurs. That slightly bemused me simply because it's such a Conte sign in that one as a right wing back, which is he's been playing of late. You know, but I don't know who's who's going to be the winners and losers. Do you think? Well, I mean, Porro. I, again, I, again, I haven't seen enough of Porro to sort of make judgments, proper judgments on on him. But people I speak to who have seen a lot of him are are very very impressed with him. You know, and think he he will be excellent. Um, winners and losers. I'll tell you what, a couple of ones have, have caught my eye. Um, not one that was done this week, but I was actually at, and I'm not saying just because he performs well here, he's going to be great. But I was actually at Accrington Stanley um, last Saturday uh, for their cup match against Leeds. And I was very impressed with um, Rutter, as we would say. It's probably Rutter, is probably is, is the way of saying it. Jorginho Rutter, who they signed. Um, a couple of weeks back, um, I thought, he, I, and I think he will add um, an awful lot to their team. I was really impressed with, with with the way he operated. I actually think, would you believe that it's probably got a bit of negativity, and certainly, so he's been waived, bit good riddance by a lot of Everton fans. But I think Anthony Gordon will do well at Newcastle. I really do. I think he's going into a team that is flying, team full of confidence. He'll love the atmosphere. I don't think. Um, anyone has seen anywhere near the best of Anthony Gordon. I really do. As, and as I say, speak to most Evertonians up here and they will say, like, you know, that they they, they would have literally sort of um, driven driven Anthony Gordon up to Tyneside themselves for in exchange for the 40 million. Not that Everton did anything with it, of course, but um, um, but I actually think he'll be, I think he'll be a success there. I really do. So I think Gordon and Newcastle, I like the look of, um, as I say, Ruta at um, Leeds. I'm looking forward to seeing um, 
who else? I am intrigued, just quickly going back, I'm intrigued to see how Fernandez does um, at Chelsea. And, again, uh, it seems an age ago, but I do think um, Mudrick at Chelsea will be absolutely sensational. I mean, and uh, listen, I'm judging that merely on that, that half an hour I saw of him in Anfield the other day, and I think he will be brilliant. Georgina, I think I agree. I, agree. I think is quite a sensible signing, to, to be fair. It's like, you know, I mean, it is... I mean, it, it's. I know it sounds cheap, but it's decent money for Chelsea because he was coming out of contract and he has a little bit of insurance for Arsenal. Um, so all in all, very interesting. I'm just trying to think of if anyone else who, who, who I'm particularly looking forward to. No, but those players, you know, I, I mean, I'm glad quite a lot of business was done. I mean, United, we go back to United, just quickly on United. And and I say, I don't know much about Sabitzer. Um and obviously, they got Vegas in on loan. Again, though, that, that, we might come on to it later, we might not. But I mean, we're a reflection of how well Ten Hag's doing. That, you know, if, if you had this sort of transfer window under previous, in previous reigns, you know, United fans would have been, would have been mutinied. They would have been invading the stadium and stuff. And, and, and now it's, uh, you know, in Eric, we trust and um, see how, how they do. And of course, just, just one one, but the one last, obviously not signing, but the one eye catching. The most eye-catching piece of transfer window business, of course, must have been Cancelo to Bayern Munich. I mean, surely that's the one. I mean, I mean, I mean, never mind, never mind the money for the Chelsea spent. Never mind, whatever. Talk about left field or left or right field, which he plays. You know, and I think he had an assist last night for Munich, didn't he, against Mans? Um, that was the one that absolutely. You know, if I had to say what is the most stunning piece of business transfer window, it's it, it's it's Cancelo being shipped out to Bayern Munich mid-season. Dunny, you're quite right. That's the best story by an absolute country mile. I mean, clearly on the back of you know of, of a bust up with, with with Guardiola, it has to be. Otherwise, why on earth would you would you let a player of his calibre go? Absolutely sensational. The the other eye catching, you know bit of uh, transfer window really was that the non-action by by Everton obviously after Anthony Gordon I mean even even in his sort of kind of you know club video club friendly media video basically he's referring to possibly hoping to sign a couple of players and yet they don't get anything over the line I mean Andy sorry to go back to you because you you, you Hell of a lot on, on on Everton, but let's come back to you. I mean, what do you what do you make of that? I mean, it's it's astonishing, isn't it? So get the violin out. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I mean, listen, John. There's very little to be said. I mean, it is quite obvious that that, that it was. I mean, one, you know, beneath this, you know, why they couldn't get any players, whatever the reasons were. I mean, you, you've also got to bear in mind that, you know, financially, you've got an owner who is looking for. You know, there's this great phrase nowadays, isn't it? They're looking for a new investment. They're looking for investors, which basically means, you know, that he's he's looking to you know, try and get some cash back. You know, so that money that was coming for Anthony Gordon, you know, will go towards that. Um, you would have expected it to go straight out onto signings, but listen, what does it say? It, it was just again the, the the time it took for really for Dice to be confirmed was utterly bizarre. You know, the guy was in the training ground on Friday and they weren't announcing it until the Sunday. You, you know, it, it was, I mean, the time it took for that whole thing, they made they made a bit of a pig's ear of, of the successes of Frank. Listen, they've known that Anthony Gordon was going to be sold, you know, for some time. So they really should have had deals, you know, in position. They really just, I mean, in terms of, 
They've got to get a striker. They had to get some form of striker. And now their last chance is probably um, still Andre Ayew, who, who was like come back from, is it Qatar? On, a, on, on and, and as a free agent, you could sign him on now. But then that's desperation, isn't it? Um, I mean, John, honestly, it, it, it is at the stage, you know, on Merseyside Revertonians where they, they, they're not even, you think they'd be up in arms about the failure to invest any of the Anthony Gordon money. But, you know, they only had 24 hours, but they're not. They just shrug the shoulders and say, you know, it's pretty much par for the course. I mean, that 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 is it. And now, and now, of course, you've got the situation where where you know Arsenal come to on Saturday, and and then after that, there's the small matter of um, a Merseyside derby at Anfield um, the following weekend. Yeah, it is it, it is crazy. Jeremy, one of my favourite stories of the last week or so was it was Everton's pursuit of Bielsa. Which was just brilliant, wasn't it? About if people haven't seen this, a basic Bielsa flew into town, basically with a proposal that he would take care of the under twenty threes and youth set up until the end of the season, so he could blend himself into the club. The club could blend himself into his methods, and basically, someone would take charge in in the in the inter, in the interim. I mean, that, that says it all, really, doesn't it, about his choice? But you know, sort of on the on the back of that, Bielsa and and, and Dyche are sort of kind of complete polar opposites, aren't they? But have they ended up with the right man? Have they ended up with the man that can keep them up despite the non-action in the market? Yeah, it sounds to me like they wanted Bielsa ahead of Dyche. Um, things obviously turned into a bit of a farce when it came came to Bielsa. Um, and they've gone for Dyche and ironically they've probably made the right choice or ended up with the right guy look you know we all know what Sean Dyche is about there's no secret to uh, where his strengths lie um, he will he will get them organised I think he said didn't he in his opening his opening gambit he wants to see sweat on the shirt he wants to see passion and pride and that's what Dyche is all about you know and he is a great manager at getting the maximum out of the talent at his disposal we saw that for years at Burnley. I know we touched on it last week. You know, he, he overachieved so much. And, you know, when you look at, I know Evan Dyer have the most talented squad in the uh, Premier League, but if he can get the best out of the best players he has, they might stand a chance of just staying up. You know, who knows? And he knows what he knows what's needed when you operate down at that sort of level, down at the bottom of the table. He did it for ages at Burnley. Um, and, you know, you also have to say that it's probably a nod You'd like to think that, well, you'd like to think that Mashiri and Kenwright were looking maybe ahead to maybe wife the worst comes to the worst and we do get relegated. Well, is Sean Dyche a good fit for trying to get us straight back up? And he probably is. So, you know, I, I like Sean Dyche. You know, he's a pretty straight guy. He's open and honest. What you see is what you get. Um, so, you know, I wish him, I wish him luck. But, you know, like Andy said, they've got, they've got such a tough start with Arsenal. And then the derby, where they never, they never win at Anfield, do they? So, you know, and there's no free hits. People, you could say, well, it's a free hit at Arsenal. It's not. They, they can't. They're, they're in too much trouble to have a free hit. They need points. Exactly. It's a home game, Jeremy. It's a home game, and they need points. It's not a free hit. I mean, this is a game. They should be looking at home games and thinking we can get a, we can get points from any of our home games. And, and I agree with you. I like Sean Dice. I like him a lot. I think they probably end up with, with, with the right man for the job. Um, they should have got Eddie Howe, by the way, and when they signed Benitez, but that's another story. Um, 
Um, but he doesn't need sweat on it. I mean, sweat on the shirt is, is, is a nice idea, but we, he needs goals. He needs goals. It's simple as that. That isn't going to win you games alone. He needs goals, and they should have got strikers. And they, they, they should have got strikers. And instead, it's just a complete cock up. You know, remember when Kevin Thalwell took over as um, sporting director, and he had a hundred. Uh, they came out with a hundred and twenty point plan to streamline operation at the club. Now, that in itself, of course, is the most ridiculous irony ever. I mean, a hundred and twenty point plan to streamline something. Sorry, I've got with you know five point plan stream things. Hundred and twenty point plans don't, and then they have a hundred and twenty point plan to streamline matters of Everton, and they come up with either Bielsa or Dyche. I mean, really? I mean, like you know, two more disparate characters you couldn't you you couldn't get. I think it, 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 it gets, and and that didn't send out the right message. Dyche was second choice, but I agree. I think they probably ended up with him um, with, with the right man, um, and. I, listen, I, my only fear is that I, I, I think he'll get them playing for him in, in terms of every last drop of effort. I think he'll get those that sweat on the shirt, but I just don't think they're good enough. And also, you mentioned the lack of striker, Dunny. I was looking at the last 10 games. We've not scored more than one goal in any of the last 10 games. And with a defence that's conceding so many, it's just, it's a recipe for disaster, that. I'm astonished they've not signed a striker. I really am. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's 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 crazy. I must I must say I'm not so convinced these days about Anthony Gordon as Dunny, but just just because of a sort of a lack of what 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 a you know. I, I'm this John. I, I'm I'm not convinced. I just think that I just think that he's got potential. You know, he, he, he's uh, there are people, and again, I don't think. Listen, I I, I think someone like Eddie Howe, for example, would have had. Unlike, say, Graham Potter in terms of the signings that um, Chelsea are making, I think Eddie Howe will have an input in the type of player that he's bringing to St. James Park. I really do. I'd be astonished if if Eddie Howe was not, um, you know, front and centre of who they recruit. And, you know, I, I know there are, it's not just Eddie Howe, who think that Anthony Gordon has potential. You know, and as I say, sometimes I don't see it, you know, and, and certainly, you know, the figures that are banded around... I think we can get too hung up on how many goals or assists he has or hasn't got. I just, I just think he's got potential. I just think, I just think he, he was something different as well in an Everton side that, you know, hasn't got much difference about it. That, that is very sort of, well, journeyman. You know, it, it, there are a lot of of good. I mean, and, and I mean this, you know, not disparagingly, but you look defensively. You know, Tarkowski, uh, Connor Cody, James Coleman. Um, you know, back with that Michael Keane. Um, you're thinking throughout the team, you know, it, it, there's not much of a spark. And I just think Gordon would have provided that spark, but he had to go anyway. So. Yeah, no, fair, fair dues. I'll tell you what, actually, in fairness to, to Anthony Gordon, you've made me go completely on back on myself here. I did actually see him in a random under-23s game and um, he, he stood out. Uh, it was a few overage players in that game. He stood out like an absolute sore thumb. He was, fan, you know, absolutely the best player on the pitch by an absolute country mile. So what do I know? So, you know. <laughs> was, was... What a great chance it is for Gordon to make a name for himself up there now as well. He's joining that club. They're on such a high at the minute. Well, me and Dunny were up there uh, on Tuesday night. The atmosphere is fantastic. They've obviously reached the first final in, in Donkey's years. The, it's just a place to thrive if, if, he, if he keeps his head together. Oh, I mean, he, 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 Jesse, he did. He, he looked. I mean, didn't he? He, he looked. Um, I'm not surprised. He actually looked a bit stunned, didn't he? When he when he when he was taking 
the centre circle, um, and the atmosphere pre-game was just absolutely sensational. And he and he, and he looked around as if you know to think, well, you know, not this as is this as that other lad he, he were paraded with because they clearly weren't bothered about him, were they? I know, I know. I know. It's, it's, to my embarrassment, is I'm, I'm, I'm strong to remember his name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that just show, that just shows. That just shows that he, and he was signed for three million pounds as well. Like, you know, so like, yes, yes, that's me. Yes, I tell you what, I tell you what, what we should reference that. What a shot in the arm this week for for the Carabao Cup! Absolutely fantastic. We talk about the reforming football and kind of, you know, can we do away with that? Absolutely, yeah. Can we? Hell, you know. Ask what Newcastle fans think about scrapping the Carabao Cup and United back in a sort of a in a in a domestic final, you know, first final under uh, under Tenag. Absolutely brilliant, you know, fantastic. Honestly, we, we need to remember these that's moments. A great final, basically, by the way, because whoever wins it, that's a big thing for them to win that trophy. Yeah, fabulous. And a, throw, a throwback to anyone who owned Super Striker in the late 70s, early 80s, because it's always Man United against Newcastle, wasn't it? A classic final. Hey, do, do, do you remember? But do you remember as well? I mean, I'm not going to go promoting any goods here. But do you remember when we took the Mickey out of the sponsors of the, of the, the new sponsors of the cup? You know, when, when it was like, well, what sort of things this? Like, is it has it come to this that someone like the sponsor? It? I'll tell you what, it is now an accepted part of the sort of football vernacular, isn't it? I mean, I never knew what it was. I just knew the Dunny drinks it quite a bit, and I was, I was no, about hearing it. Rivals, my monster. Oh, you got rivals? Oh, I know he's after a few three things there, isn't he? But you know what I mean? I do remember, and, and, and we sort of used the spot. What on earth is this? That, I mean, I said, we're not going to go and advertise the thing, but I remember thinking the stories like, well, what on earth is this? This shows how far the League Cup has, like, you know, fallen. And, this bizarre. and now it's sort of part of the lingo, isn't it? What, what on earth is this? What on the moon is this? They were going to do the draw up there, weren't they? That's right. They were going to draw the draw, draw, draw. Yes, exactly. The one, thing, the one thing I do to, don't disagree with the Crossy though is that why are we slabbing two legged semi finals? Because the league need the money. It's as simple as that. I know, but it's in this day and age with such a packed calendar, it's farcical. Yeah, but don't you think, Jerry? Don't, don't, I mean, it was a great occasion on, on Wednesday, wasn't it? On Tuesday. Oh, it was brilliant. Of course it was. But uh, you know, I just think two games. Two games. We don't have we don't have two two legged FA Cup semi finals, do we? So and that's no, not we have a Wembley, don't we? Which isn't a great solution either. Get a neutral venue, neutral venue, or, no, or so they, they need to keep it because the foot when, so little money goes down to the football league anyway. That the, they have five big showpiece games a year, which is the final and the and the four semis. And yeah, let's not be than that. It's a different format, isn't it? At least they used to have the first round as two-legged, didn't they, back in the day? And that's they, they rightly got rid of that. But, uh, yeah. It was banging. It was absolutely banging on Tuesday, though, at St. James's Park. It was banging. Plus, plus you've got Anderson, plus you've got, you've got two-legged European games all the time. So what's that, you know, two-legged European games right? your opening Champions League games, not just the semi-finals now, all the knockout stages. Hence why you've got the situation where obviously Manchester United will play on the Thursday night ahead of the the, the Sunday final. You know, I I I, I agree. I, I sort of half agree in the sense that yeah, it's a packed calendar, so so why have two legged um, knockout cup games? But then we could apply that to Europe, couldn't we? Yeah, never thought I'd say this, guys, but I also think let's scrap the FA Cup replays. You know what a traditionalist I am, and how much I love the FA Cup. But I tell you what, 
I, I last you know we've had a couple of seasons recently, haven't we, where where we haven't had replays, and I I have to say I just think you know it it makes it the sense of jeopardy is 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 would be greater in third and fourth round. It would make it more exciting. Clubs would have to go for it. The reality is that it doesn't really end up very often in in, in penalties. Look at look at what happened in in the seasons that it did, and basically clubs go for it. it you know, I, I, I've, I, I don't like I don't you know like sort of kind of tinkering with the best cup competition and you know sort of um, the, or the oldest one really. And I just think, but maybe time has come really. And I think the Carabao Cup actually in the in the rounds and and, and so on is is a great example. What you know what what season. Listen, guys, let's have a look forward um, to the Premier League um, return this weekend. Um, you know, it starts with Chelsea Fulham. It's a, it's a great stat here, isn't it? Since 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 Fulham beat Chelsea, uh, Chelsea at um, Craven Cottage, which I think you and me were both at, Matt, weren't we? But basically, it was... <laughs> Chelsea has spent what three hundred and twenty million quid to to try and catch up with Fulham. Which to be fair, Fulham have taken Suarez on loan. <laughs> exactly, it's absolutely astonishing. But I tell you what, there's um, Tottenham, Man City as well, Matt. I mean, you know, any hope for Spurs? I mean, we should, you know, wish make a point of wishing Antonio Conte every, you know. Um, good, good wish and good bit of goodwill for for his speedy recovery there. Because what a terrible thing for anyone, um, you, you know, to, to go through, particularly someone in 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 the public eye and sort of kind of quite such a public sort of sort of thing. So I hope he returns and 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 in the best of health too. But what a big game for Tottenham and, and Man City, Matt. Yeah, very much so. It's all about um, momentum for both of them. They've got to get going. And, you know, we've had the break of the FA Cup. The transfer window's gone. It's now like the serious season starts now for both of them. Spurs need to get their skates on to get into that top four, um, which that line seems to be getting no closer at all. Um, Yeah, Newcastle seem determined to muck things up for one of the so-called big six um, and stay in there. And at the moment, Spurs are prime candidates for missing out. Uh, and City, you know, they've got to somehow look like they're going to win every game the rest of the season. And it's not just that they've not just got to win it. They've got to look like they're going to win all their games just to try and get some cracks out of that Arsenal team. Uh, and, and yeah, time's ticking away. This is a big game. for If they were to lose this one, then, you know, they're supposed to be delighted for about a second and then realise what they've done for Arsenal. But, um, but yeah, they need the points just as much. So, yeah, it's going to be absolutely corker. And, and I think they'll be up for it. Spurs, you know, that they've, they've been playing within themselves. And, yeah, perhaps the change of voice on the sidelines might help them. Um, you know, I'm sure Conte's message will be getting through loud and clear anyway. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be, hey, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I, I think it'd be a cracker, actually. United against Palace. Uh, uh, I mean, we should pay tribute a bit to, to Ten Hag. I think you know Ten Hag's now got him into a, into a cup final. What what an impact he's he's making. You know, he's making a real play and push for for the top four as well, isn't it? You know, really, uh, he's, he's 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 exceeded expectation or certainly my expectations. Yeah, unbelievable story. Um, 
you know, to say he's probably way ahead of where he thought he would be at this stage of the season is probably another understatement. You know, it was only a couple of weeks ago before they dropped those points at Palace that um, you were thinking, crikey, United could, could be in the title hunt here. And still are, really. You just don't know, do you? Look, Arsenal's so consistent, you know, and City are going to take some uh, catching too. But, um, you know, um, the, they won the derby. They came back from behind to beat City. Um, that wouldn't have happened under Ralph Rannick or Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, that's for sure. He's just got, look, he's just he's just got the more disciplined, he has a plan. With Solskjaer in particular, you just felt that there wasn't any, wasn't any identity to the way they play. They just played off the cuff and if it didn't win, if it didn't work, it didn't work. But he is a, he's a he clearly is a, an intelligent guy, a bit of a professor of the game. Um, and obviously Rashford's on fire at the minute. He can't stop scoring. <laughs> he scores every game he plays. So, um, and you know, it, it's astonishing to me, probably to you guys as well, that United are the only team in English football who can still win four trophies this season. It's a mar- remarkable statistic when you think about it. You wouldn't have put a penny on that if you'd have got ridiculous odds at the start of the season. Come come February, they're the only team left in, the sh- in, in with a shot winning four trophies. Unbelievable. And he's made some big decisions. He's, you know, he's obviously, he's not having Harry Maguire, who's club captain, you know, he was on the bench again last night. I think Maguire's future there is very, he's doomed. I think, I think he'll leave in the summer. Maguire still want, want to get game time. But here's a player who's, who is, is one of the first names on Gareth Southgate's England team sheet. He started every game at the World Cup. You know, he, you just know he's, he's, he has Southgate's faith and he's been great for England, but he can't, he can't get a look at United and fair play to turn out for, that's a big call. I'll leave Maguire out. And it's European Championships in next year, of course. These big tournaments come around ever so, ever so quickly. But no, listen, United, looking ahead, United are going to be a real force in the next two or three years under 10 hours, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, Andy, I just finished with Wolves-Liverpool. Just because what a week again it's been for, for Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool. And, you know, their exit at Brighton, you know, basically it means they've lost the grip on both domestic Cup competitions which they won last season Champions League is their last hope of silverware you know the 10 points off the top four now they're going to have this have to have a spectacular second half of the season aren't they to get to get back in there you know questions being asked of Jurgen Klopp you know I mean which I find ridiculous but uh, you know it's a rebuilding program isn't it that's the point isn't it yeah, I mean, it's, it's a rebuilding program. I mean, rebuilding. For, I mean, it, it didn't. No one. This rebuilding program that, that Jurgen Klopp talked about, um, and is generally accepted now that that's what's required at at Anfield. It's come up upon us all of a sudden, hasn't it? You know, there was actually, you know, when they were when they were what 10, 15 minutes away from winning the Premier League on that tumultuous last day of the season. We weren't talking about the need for a rebuilding program. When they went to Paris for the Champions League final, um, before they were beaten 1-0 by Real Madrid, we weren't talking about a rebuilding program. We were talking about Sadio Mane leaving and needing to be replaced, but then they had Luis Diaz already on board. Um, and obviously then the San Nunes. We weren't talking about a rebuilding program at the start of the season. We're talking about a rebuilding program now because they're going through a tough spell. I'm not sure it's that big a rebuild, is it really? I mean, listen, we're talking about a rebuild because maybe some of the younger players 
um, have not developed like we thought they would. I'm talking Curtis Jones, even Harvey Elliott, who's been one of their better players, maybe hasn't come through um, as uh, as um, as quickly or, or as emphatically as, as people might have hoped for. We're talking about a rebuild because individual form of certain players, and I, inclu- I include Trent Alexander-Arnold in this, has, and Fabinho is certainly one, the individual form has dipped. We're talking about a rebuild because Nunes, who don't forget, is an £80 million club record signing, maybe hasn't hit the ground running. They've signed Gakpo for £37 million. I'm not sure this idea of a... I, I think this idea of a rebuild, and, and Klopp is happy to, I think, allow that idea to be out there. I do think it gives him a little bit, not a free pass, but it gives him a little bit, you know, he's he's got a job on his hands now to, and he's been unlucky with injuries. Let's let's get that way. And Dyke's out now. Joss has been out. How many goals he can see? Luis Diaz, it was clearly a sort of energetic, um, important part of that squad. He's been out. But no, I don't think it's a rebuild. I think, I genuinely think, and I keep coming back to this, I think think it's a reaction from last season, what happened last season. I think it's, I think it's it, it, I think it's it's injuries. I think it's four or five players whose form has, has gone. I don't think Van Dijk was himself even before he was injured. I think he was basically making sure that he got to the World Cup, having missed the Euros last time. I think it's a whole combination of factors. And listen, this individual game, you know, also Klopp made a point, and you know, they, they did sign Gakpo, but after that, he made a point of saying we're not going to do any more business. Wolves have done quite a bit of business in the transfer window. Interesting to see how that pans out. I genuinely don't think. Away at Molyneux, I would have had to pull down for that, you know, all day long. But I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced this weekend. No, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a tricky one. I guess I have a rebuild program simply because that midfield, I mean, that midfield is, is the concern. But li- listen, guys, it's been fascinating to, for, fascinating to, 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 to chat, isn't it? I mean, really, he's got, he's got to address that midfield. It's been a long time since he's sort of issues, you know, and, and maybe going toe to toe with Pep takes its toll as, as well a bit and um, putting up with me takes its toll as well so thanks to thanks to you for uh, in, uh, seeing it out with me but um, enjoyed it thanks so much guys nice to be with you and um, yeah see you same time same place next week